You're listening to Transform Talks, a podcast about global supply chain transformation. I'm Maria Villablanca, co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, a fast-growing network of over 130,000 supply chain and manufacturing executives worldwide. Now on this show, I'm going to be interviewing and having conversations with some of the biggest names in supply chain and business, where we're going to be discussing topics around digitization, transformation, leadership, technology, business models, diversity, sustainability, and much, much more. Hello, and welcome back to our second ever monthly roundup episode. So it appears that you enjoyed last month's roundup, so I'm back for more. Let me tell you about April. It was a very busy month. In the first few days of April, I attended the E2 Open event in Barcelona. And I have to say that I really enjoyed spending time with people I had only ever met over virtual meetings, including a few of my previous podcast guests, Radu Palamario and Knut Alike, authors of the successful supply chain book, From Source to Soul. This month, I also attended Hanover Messe for the first time, which was an incredible experience. Not only was it the largest industrial fair that I've ever attended, It gave me an opportunity to see some of the latest innovations in industrial automation, robotics, sustainability, and I was able to meet and speak with so many wonderful people. I actually went on my own without my team, and I had to drag around a backpack full of camera equipment and microphones. Uh, Needless to say, it was a workout. One of the highlights of my visit, though, was interviewing Julia White, Chief Marketing and Solutions Officer and Executive Board Member at SAP. Julie and I spoke about a number of topics, including supply chain, manufacturing, and digital, as well as business-critical issues like DE&I, sustainability, and resilience. I also got the chance at Hanover Mesa to meet the governor of the Nuevo León region in Mexico, who told me about the decision taken by Elon Musk and Tesla to build the world's largest gigafactory in Nuevo León. To see my interviews and other musings from Mesa, be sure to check out my LinkedIn page. Okay, so those weren't the only notable events that took place this month, though. Just a few days ago, we at Future Insights Network held our Scope 3 Strategy Day in London. It was such a great event, and I want to give a big thank you to our sponsors and to all of those who were able to attend. As for the podcast, well, we released a total of four episodes this month. Let's take a look back at some of the best moments from the last few weeks. We started off the month by speaking with Ike LeBlanc and Freik Artsen from ION. Now, regular listeners will be familiar with Ike as we've had him on the show before. When I heard that he and his colleague Freik had co-authored a new book on ChatGPT, a subject that I'm very curious about, I knew that I had to get them both on the show. There's been a lot of talk about ChatGPT of late. There is, I don't know, some tangible fear that AI and chatbots will significantly reduce the need for humans in the workplace. In this excerpt, Ika explains why ChatGPT, at least for the time being, still needs that human touch. If the chatbot is able to provide all the answers a company needs, then you don't need a consultant anymore. And what turns out is that uh, the ChatGPT is like a smart kid, uh, the smartest kid in the class. It gives all the answers, it gives all the answers uh, from the theory, but it doesn't give you a practical advice. And I think that is where still consultants bring an experience. They bring uh, 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 knowledge that is gathered from reality. And I think that is still very worthwhile. So uh, if you, for example, uh, ask ChatGPT how to implement SNOP for uh, a chemical company, 
it will give you exactly the same answer if you ask it, uh, what will it do for an FMCG company? And if you then start to ask more questions, probably it will give some nuance, but it will not talk from an experience. So it is theoretically correct, but it is practically not always immediately applicable. And I think that's the field where we as supply chain experts, we as supply chain consultants, still add a lot of value. I have to say that I really enjoyed recording this episode. Going into the conversation, I felt like I knew quite a fair bit about ChatGPT and chatbots, but it's remarkable just how much more there is to know about the subject. Incidentally, since we recorded the episode, Google has also announced the launch of its very own chatbot. With more entrance into this space, it will be interesting to see how the technology develops in the coming months and years. Next up, we have an excerpt from my conversation with Matthew Joseph Alenjakal and Mark Boylo from Four Kites. Now, during this episode, we discussed the importance of end-to-end visibility. In this next segment, we hear Mark explain why real-time visibility is no longer the primary objective for businesses. Instead, their focus has now turned to supply chain visibility. Exactly the same as Matthew said, but summarized in literally a couple of words. We started with real-time visibility, and we should replace it with supply chain visibility. Matthew is using this a lot of his presentations. Real-time visibility is not the core anymore. Everything Matthew just said, it's all supply chain visibility. So the data, which the investment, which companies did, now they want to transfer that to their full supply chain, from a raw material coming in to the warehouse productivity, knowing where trucks are standing to dispatch to the other distribution centers, that full supply chain needs to be empowered from that visibility data. And also a thing that I already used, the data aggregation that we already pre-built it for them, providing real-time visibility. Having all those carriers connected and sharing that data with you, you can already connect dots that you can empower much more different locations inside your supply chain. And that is the future. It's not real-time visibility, it's supply chain visibility, which will be the future. One of the recurring themes of the last few months has been this idea that disruption or crisis can actually be viewed as an opportunity. Many of the guests that I've had on the show have been keen to stress the benefits of turning a complicated situation into your advantage. However, as my next guest, Stefan Zieber, pointed out during our conversation, That is only the case if the team feels energized to capitalize on that disruption. If not, then the team may see it instead as a threat. Absolutely. And I I think, you know what, there was a, um, um, uh, you know, a transporter next event that we had uh, a few, actually, I think it was last week where we we talked about our Q1 innovations, um, new features, new functions on the platform. And and I've um, used that statement that I said, you know, a crisis is... um, is actually more of an opportunity or a disruption is more of an opportunity than it is a threat. But this is only when you approach it with the right mindset. And if you're completely exhausted and if you sort of come out of a massive transformation project that didn't deliver on the value you expected and took twice as long as you thought it would be, then you will not be able to look at the next disruption as an opportunity, but you will look at it as a threat and you will basically try try to push back, right? And, and, and I think we have to embrace the disruptions that are coming towards us because, you know, th- that's why we are here. That's why, you know, leaders exist and why we manage these businesses. And, and, and that's, you know, the way we should, we, should, we should behave to really look at this as an opportunity. 
Before we move on, if you're thinking to yourself, I'd really love to listen back to the full episodes that I'm referring to, then don't worry, we've included all of the details to the full episodes in the description. Next up, we have the CEO of Sesame, John Dyke giving his thoughts on the recent renaissance that manufacturing seems to be experiencing. As John explains, innovation has never been a problem for manufacturing. The issue has been the fact that this innovation has been taking place in silos. Innovation has never been a challenge here in the U.S. I, and, and broadly, certainly as well. But, but I would say uniquely that manufacturing here in the U.S. for centuries now has been sort of a, at the epicenter of innovation. And I would say in this realm of smart manufacturing, of digitization, of using information to uh, create more productive, more competitive, more effective uh, better, higher quality uh, manufacturing processes. That's no exception, but we've we've sort of been innovating in ways that are, uh, I'll say, suboptimal. We, we we've been innovating in in islands. I, we talked about islands of decades ago. We we're talking about islands of information, but we've connected those islands to some degree. But now we're talking about islands of innovation. Creating data silos, creating stovepipe architectures, making it really difficult for a more systematic, holistic approach to analysis, to uh, decision support. And so uh, ironically, it's, it's been, it ha innovation has never been a challenge. It's been innovating in a more systematic, in a more strategic way um, that, that will, we believe in, in that, in that uh, back to that idea of the smart manufacturing mentality as we think about the future, uh, will compel us to innovate in more, more structured and more thoughtful ways. And, and um, there, there are some, uh, as, as I guess wouldn't really be shocking to us, people, process, and technology components that will enable that going forward. And that's, that's really the essence of what we here at SESME are trying to accomplish in bringing this ecosystem together in a, in a holistic way to facilitate innovation, actually even accelerate innovation, but uh, that requires a more thoughtful approach. Before we wrap up, I want to take a quick look at my favorite Maria's Book Club answer of the last month. You know, it was hard to pick one in particular as we had so many good answers. I have, however, decided to go with Stefan's selection. As longtime listener of the show, Stefan came prepared with three books that he firmly believes encapsulates his personality, but specifically his curious nature. Yeah, I actually, I was expecting that question because I listened to some of your podcasts. So I, I you know, I have to be honest, I prepared a little bit. There's actually three that I want to give you, but there's one common thread about them. It's about curiosity. It's about learning new things and understanding things in a better way. The first one is uh, uh, Sven Hedin, which was a Swedish uh, uh, explorer in the 1880s, 1890s, and he traveled the Silk Road. Um, and, and the book is called My Life as Explorer. I read it when I was a a boy, uh, you know, a young, a young, a very young man, a, an old boy, and and that was the first time I've realized that I'm I'm so curious. Like specifically, the Silk Road is something that I need to to do this. My father did it on the bike. Um, I never had the chance yet to to do it. And then the next one was Free Economics by Stephen Levitt, um, which I remember that I read it when I was doing my MBA. Um, and, and, and it has that subtitle, I think, the hidden side of everything, right? That, that understanding that you need to go behind the surface, behind you know, what you see on the surface to really understand the things. 
And then most recently, uh, there was one actually also a few years ago, Tactfulness by Hans Rosling. Unfortunately, Hans Rosling passed away, but he was an amazing, amazing person. And this book, Tactfulness, and also the foundation he established, and I think it's led by his daughter now, is really teaching us and learning us how the human brain works and, and how we can train our thinking to be slightly less dramatized. Uh, and, and actually, on a side note, it also learns us that the world is actually a better place than we think it is. And I think it's especially in these times where some of that optimism probably probably this this good to all of us. So that's it for this month's monthly roundup episode. I hope you enjoyed revisiting some of our best moments from April. We'll be back next month with our roundup for May. In the meantime, be sure to follow us on LinkedIn at Transform Talks to stay up to date with the latest developments. Also, if you don't already follow me on LinkedIn, please do so now. I'm always keen to connect with supply chain and business leaders from around the world. You can find me by searching for Maria P. Villablanca. And you know what, if you're lucky, may let you know what that P in my name stands for. In the meantime, wishing you a great month ahead. And as always, for those of you listening, I'll catch you at the next one.